Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Welcome back. This is Brad Peterson filling in for Terry Wickstrom, who's on assignment down in Florida. He is actually getting ready for ICAST, which is kind of the Fisherman's Christmas in July coming up. And we've got Nate Zielinski on the line. And Nate wants to talk a little bit about ICAST. You know, Brad, it's, it's exciting. I mean, it's that time of year where everything gets unveiled, if you will, for the 2018 season. So everything that, uh, you know, a lot of us pros have been testing and working on and, and all that kind of come public at this show. And then uh, everything basically hits the stores or hits the shelves, uh, you know, very late this year, if not early next year. So it's just kind of that uh, that exciting time of the year where you see the new trends and current models getting updated and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a neat thing. And it's uh, more importantly, it's a good get together where everybody in the industry kind of gets together, gets under one roof and uh, kind of shares their fishing stories and uh, talks the talk. I know. I'm I'm a little jealous that you're going to be able to head down there this year. I'm going to have to miss out, have a family reunion up in Breckenridge if uh, if we're still able to stay there. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, yeah. So at ICAST, what you've been seeing a few products. I mean, the nice thing is we've both been working on the development of certain products and seen certain things. But you also get to see a lot of stuff from other manufacturers that – that maybe, you know, you haven't heard about or maybe there have been rumblings in the rumor mills. Absolutely, Terry. You know, know, the the last couple years, I would say, you've seen a couple things. The technology in the last couple years has been basically the mainstay of ICAST. So, you know, the communication between electric motor and graph has been huge over the last couple years. And you've been seeing a lot of that really transpire. And then other than that, the big thing I'd say in the last at least two years, we're really going to see what happens this year as we go this week, um, is really the – bettering of products, I would say. So really in the last couple of years, a lot of the terminal tackle, a lot of the, the hard baits, the soft baits, you know, there hasn't been anything groundbreaking in that, you know, basically selection of products, but it's really been everything getting better. You know, soft plastics getting more realistic, soft plastics having better paint jobs or better coloring. Um, you know, the hard baits, the crank baits, you know, same thing, the, the realistic paint jobs and the, the hardening of baits and, and all that type of stuff has really been where the technology has hit and really just making everything better as far as new groundbreaking stuff. And that's really, uh, I think we're going to see a continuation of that this year. We're going to see a lot of stuff in the uh, the you know electronics department. I know Motor Guys really excited to be releasing their new product. Um, you know, and there's a lot of things in that world that are gonna we're gonna see you know bettering itself. We're gonna see a lot of new electronics, a lot more communication of all those products. Um, and then I think you're really gonna see the same type thing as far as the hard base and the soft base, just bettering of what's there now. Yeah, refinement of what's already out there. And like you say, the the last few years. It's really been the electronics that have taken the jump. I know last year, you know, Minn Kota came out with their Ultrax that just kind of really flipped the electric motor yep. on, on you know, f- completely turned it on its head because we've traditionally always had the power drive motors and the cable drive, and they were two separate ways you wanted to go. Did you and, – and you couldn't – there were advantages to each. You know, the, the yep. cable drive, you were able to steer – and have instant response. You didn't have to look down at the head. 
the power drive had the features like the spot lock or, um, you know, you can set anchor modes uh, and you could set it on cruise control to drive a certain direction. But with the combination of that, that's allowing a lot of the anglers to spend a little less time messing with their electronics and spend more time refining the techniques, which helps you catch more fish. I mean, absolutely. You know, the name of the game when you're on the water physically on a boat, boat control catches fish as much as anything else, as much as your lure, as much as your technique, as much as your rod. Uh, and I think a lot of people still haven't grasped that. You know, we talk about it all the time on this show, how boat control is everything um, and how so many people still put so much emphasis on everything else other than boat control. And that's really where the electronics game, you know, again, the communication between graph and electric motor or what have you, um, has been absolutely huge and been groundbreaking. And that's where, you know, better boat control and easier boat control, number one, leads to a, a happier day on the water because you're not so stressed out trying to have the boat control. Uh, but number two, again, the good boat control puts more fish in the boat, too. Updates next week from, uh, you know, talking about the post-ICAST. Obviously, ICAST is running this week, Wednesday to Friday. Uh, we'll be definitely be doing some live Facebook feeds some updates on the Tightline Outdoors Facebook page. Uh, so if anybody is social and wants to follow that, make sure you stay tuned. Uh, probably uh, Monday we'll be announcing the times at which we'll be going live, which we'll be talking about ICAST. Uh, but, no, it's exciting, and uh, I really look forward to bringing everybody the, the latest and greatest from ICAST, and we'll see what the going trends are. We'll look forward to hearing some of that information. Now, I'm sure you've been out on the water some here recently. Can you give us any fishing updates that are on? Absolutely, you know, it's uh, we've been so waiting for the for the turn. I mean, spring fishing and early summer fishing has been one for the record books. I mean, the walleye in the front range has been everything that I would say it always is, and then slightly more. You know, we uh, we've had a normal bite as far as the front range, you know, Pueblo, Sherry Creek, Thatfield, Boyd. All those lakes have been fishing extremely well, uh, and then certain lakes have been fishing even better, like Chatfield. Uh, you know, especially we had uh, an overly high shad population two years ago in, in 2015, and this year we are extremely low population of shad, really turning those tables and making for some literally incredible fishing. Um, our shad hatched at most lakes have been kind of waiting for that lakes to kind of you know, change. Again, we don't want to say slow down or anything like that, but we've been waiting for the bite to get just slightly tougher as the new abundance of food sources hit. Uh, but so far, it has had hardly any effect on the lakes that I've been at. So the walleye fishing is still absolutely gangbusters. Uh, like a Cherry Creek, Chatfield, Pueblo, uh, the bite's just incredible. Uh, Bar Lake's still been fishing extremely well. Uh, so that's really been good. The water is basically at full pool in a lot of our mountain lakes, and that's been exciting. So trout, like at Spinning Mountain Reservoir, have really made themselves at home in the, in the recently high water mark. So the fish are, the water was extremely low all spring. The water is up now. Those fish are in that shallow water taking advantage of all those food sources. Uh, so I'd say really the, the summer bite at like a spinny uh, has really just hit home here in the last week. All the hatches are taking place. The damsel hatch is going, uh, and the bite's absolutely incredible. So we are we are in full-blown summer patterns, but I would say none of the negative summer patterns yet. Again, when we start getting really hot and we start getting an abundance of bait fish, uh, you know, you can sometimes see these fish avoiding the heat and, and utilizing the, the new food source and can make fishing somewhat tougher. Um, and so far, we have not had any of that tougher fishing. So uh, we just really hope it continues a little longer. Yeah, and it's not that the fish aren't feeding. It's just the fact that all of a sudden the fish have a lot more food source sources available so that you you're competing against 
a lot of stuff, a lot of other minnows, crayfish, other stuff. So those fish don't have to put as much effort in to feed. Absolutely. You know, they're not putting as much effort in. They don't have to travel as far. Uh, and more importantly, when the fish are, are extremely hungry, when last year's bait fish is either too large to feed on or the population is down because they've, you know, simply been, been ate or, you know, they're gone by now, um, you know, the fish are really willing to, to go a long ways to take a bait. Um, you know, I always say a situation of a, a really hungry fish might go one or two feet up and down in the water column and they might travel 10 feet to the side to take a meal as opposed to when all this new bait hits and there's a lot of food, you know, you have to all of a sudden become the angler that we always preach about. Um, and these fish might only move three to five inches up or down and maybe two feet, you know, left or right. So all of a sudden, it, again, like you said, the fishing doesn't necessarily slow down. The fish are still feeding aggressively, if not feeding even more. Um, it's just your job as the angler to have to cater to them and adapt to the new food source. Um, and that's where a lot of anglers see a little bit of a slowdown. So, again, you know, we're talking all this. I don't want to be negative. We have not seen that yet. Again, we anticipate it coming, uh, you know, within the next couple of weeks to start seeing, uh, you know, all the food source and the fish somewhat slow down. Uh, but so far in the lakes that I've been on, I have not seen any signs of slowdown. Uh, and we are definitely taking advantage of it with, with high number of days. And, um, you know, by now, I can usually honestly say that I am usually full-blown topwater pike fishing, doing a lot of shallow water rainbow fishing in all of our mountain lakes. Uh, you know, I mean, Williams Fork, spinning 11-mile Terry on all the lakes. Um, and so far, to be honest, I've been almost spoiling myself. That walleye bite has been so incredible. Um, I've been kind of reluctant to go up in the hills and chase other species. I've been so uh, dominated by walleye just because that bite is so good. Well, that that's good information. Now, you also <laughs> wanted to talk about, and it kind of dovetails with the last segment we had, it's it's time to start thinking about getting into the back into your hunting mode. I mean that's just it. You know we we we've been doing a lot of this. A lot of people have been following me on the Botech Facebook page. We've been doing a live feed on Monday evenings at uh, you know eight o'clock p.m. in the Rocky Mountain region. Um, we've been talking about this for months now, and I talk to so many people that are like, man. You know, it's 100 degrees outside. We're going to the swimming pool. This is the peak of summer. How are you even dreaming about hunting? But now is the time if you are the hunter that are, is unsatisfied with your results the last couple of years. If you're the hunter that has not been harvesting game, uh, more than likely it's because of the fact that you weren't quite prepared. I mean, scouting is 100% what makes success in the field. Now, everybody gets lucky from time to time, and we all know those people. We've been those people ourselves. Uh, but in reality, knowledge of the resource is what puts animals on the ground. And the way we always talk about it, whether you're a person that – is in the social media or you're a TV person, everybody knows somebody and looks up to somebody that they think is a good hunter. And I always ask, why is that person a good hunter? And most people are, they associate them to a good hunter just because they make lots of kills. They, they, they harvest a lot of animals at the end of the year. So you look one step further and you say, why do they do that? How do they do that? It's because they're a better hunter. You know, they shoot better, they call better, they're quieter, they're more physical. But at the end of the day, it's usually because they're on top of the animals and they have knowledge of the animals, whether that's them scouting them themselves or going with an outfitter or somebody who is putting them on the animal. And that's usually the case. And really, at the end of the day, the best hunter out there is the person that can spend more time in the field and really learn everything. We talk about the resource. You have to know the land, the terrain, the habits, learn the animals themselves. But when you have all this information, 
hunting becomes very simple. It becomes literally a, a math problem of, of plugging A into B. Uh, so, again, we have to do that now. I know it's July, but, I mean, before you know it, the pronghorn season, you know, starts in the middle of August, and archery, deer, and elk start that last weekend of August. I mean, long story short, we don't have that much time uh, to be out there scouting. So we should be testing equipment, shooting our weapons, um, and getting out there in the field and starting to learn that because it's going to come upon us much quicker than we thought. And really, uh, we talked a little bit about hunting in the last couple of weeks. Uh, starting here next weekend and the weekend following, we're going to start putting a lot of emphasis on scouting and animals and learning what we should be doing to be successful this fall. Well, that's very important. And the other thing is, Right now, you can do a lot of scouting, even if you're not able to get up into the woods. You know, this yep. is the time that you can spend looking at Google Earth or looking at different maps. And the other way to get some good quality scouting time is by utilizing trail cameras. If you Absolutely. Go, go put those up in your hunting area. You're going to find out a lot of information, maybe about the time that the animals are moving or what size animals are in there currently. And you're collecting data the whole time that that camera is up there and taking pictures. So that's another great way to collect information. Maybe you're only able to get up to your hunting area once every two or three weeks, but this will get you information throughout that entire time frame between your visits. Definitely, and it's all about taking that information. You know, a big thing for trail counts for us is, you know, we love setting on water. You know, so you're learning the timing at which the animals are hitting water. Again, you're learning maturity of the animals. You're learning a rough idea of bull-to-cow ratio in the areas which you're hunting. And all of that stuff is absolutely huge. You know, Google Earth, it's free. Everybody can use it. Uh, and feeds a ton of information that the average person in child cams. It, it's all tools and pieces of the puzzle that we all should be doing. So, uh, you know, more importantly, again, we want it in your head right now. You should be scouting. And really starting here in the next two weeks, we're really going to start hitting it hard. We're going to kind of uh, release a schedule of what we'll be doing as far as all that scouting and, and prep for hunting season. Uh, so everybody's got to get ready for because uh, the time is here without a doubt. Well, if someone's interested in booking a guide trip or getting your iCast updates or finding out about the, the hunting schedule, how do they get in touch with you, Nate? You know, everything's uh, very digital. You'll go to the website, tightlineoutdoors.com. You can book all your fishing trips there. We have got a lot of hot bites right now. We really encourage that. I uh, would love to get you on the waters of tightlineoutdoors.com. But if you are friendly on social media, Facebook, go to tightlineoutdoors.com. You can message us there. You can watch all your tips videos, everything there. So all of our ICAST updates will be on the Tightline Outdoors page. Uh, you can also watch our live feed from the Bowtech Facebook page, which also broadcasts and simulcasts on the Tightline Outdoors page. So if you are, are a big game hunter, I really encourage you, come this Monday evening 8 p.m. So again, 8 p.m. if you're living here in Colorado or these Rockies regions, uh, and watch it. Basically a half hour, 45 minutes, a live Q&A. Uh, I'll have a topic. This week we're actually talking about animal care in the field. So we're going to be talking to a taxidermist. Uh, but you can literally comment your question on the live feed. We'll answer your question, and we'll definitely get you involved. So again, social media, go to Tightline Outdoors. Uh, you'll get a lot of information there. All right. Thanks a lot, Nate. Absolutely. We'll be talking to you soon. Yep. Have a good one. You too. Well, this is Brad Peterson on the Terry Wickstrom Outdoor Show on 104.3 The Fan. When we return, we will be doing an Ask the Expert segment. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Honey Smoked Fish Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. 
never saw the end inside. Welcome back. I'm Brad Peterson filling in for Terry Wickstrom, and this is our Ask the Expert segment. Now, I'm going to answer this question as someone actually sent this question in to Terry uh, and mentioned me on uh, in the question. The person is Tim Johnson out of Longmont. Now, Tim's question is about, we've been talking a lot about the tremendous summer peak fishing, like Nate mentioned in the last segment, and that in the next few weeks, this is all going to be transferring, and it's going to kind of become a little bit tougher. He's wondering, what do you do to still keep catching fish when the summer peak kind of slows down and all the bait fish show up? And also, what are good ways to catch particularly bass on lakes or ponds that don't have a whole lot of structure? So, Tim, I'm going to tell you there's two schools of thought once the this the the shad and all of that really starts getting into a higher population number and it the fish as as Nate was saying don't want to chase as far you can either go real small and kind of finesse or you can go the flip side and be a little bit more of a power fisherman go a little bit more aggressive so if you want to look at going finesse i would say you want to look at going with smaller baits something a little bit slower uh, a jig worm, a Cinco, something like that for your bass. On the aggressive side, you can start looking at rattle baits, maybe your rip and wrap, um, stuff like that that you're going to cover water, the jig and wrap, like was mentioned earlier for walleyes. That will, that'll catch smallmouth bass just as well. And you're going to be getting a reaction strike. The fish may not be as much wanting to feed, but when that comes by, they just naturally react. So those are the two ways that I would go with that. You asked also about structure. A lot of our ponds around here and some of our lakes are very bowl-shaped and don't have a lot of structure. By structure, that usually means some sort of change in the bottom depth. We may not have structure, but almost all of those bodies of water have some sort of cover. And by cover, I mean rocks, weeds, uh, trees along the edge, maybe a boat dock, or even just shade. Any sort of edge that's created between there is a good cover angle that your predatory fish, your bass, your walleye can use, trout can use to ambush their prey. So even though you don't have a lot of structure in some of these ponds, I would go looking for the cover. That area is going to have a lot more fish in it. It's also a place that a lot of your forage base is going to be able to hide. That's that's the way I kind of look at it. Now, there's a couple other things that I would kind of mention as far as lures for later in the this season that really turn on, and that's topwater baits. When I'm bass fishing, there's nothing better than catching bass on a topwater bait. And this time of year, it's it's really turning on. If you've got a lake that's choked off with a lot of moss, then you know what? Go with a weedless frog. Try something like that. If you're fishing a real open area where maybe the the bass, both largemouth and smallmouth, will go out and chase those schools of shad and early in the morning and late in the day are great times to fish for them. And if it's a calm day, you're going to see the, the fish oftentimes blowing up on those shad. Get a big, long uh, stick bait, kind of uh, Zara spook, um, or some of 
you know, uh, the new Skitter V from Rapala. All of these are baits that can get out there. They're the walk your dog type bait that work really good when you're chasing fish that are on those schools of suspended shad out there. So, Tim, for asking this question, you're going to receive a $25 gift certificate from Sportsman's Warehouse. And if you would like to receive a, a gift certificate like that, send your questions in to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at Gmail. Send a, you, any outdoor question, fishing, hunting, camping, anything like that. And if your question is read on the air, you will win a gift certificate as well. We are going to take a quick break, and on when we return, we are going to be joined by fishing legend Al Linder on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. I'm Brad Peterson filling in for Terry this week, and I've got the pleasure of being joined here by one of the true fishing icons, Al Linder. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning, everybody. Al Linder here in Minnesota, and it is a beautiful day here to be out on water. Yeah, we've we've got a nice day here. We've been battling upper 90s and 100-degree temperatures, but today it's in the 80s and I sure hope to be getting out on the water here later today. Yeah, you've been getting a few extremes. Our week ahead, I was looking at the weather here, planning to do some television shows, and we're going to be in a low to mid-80s for all the, the next full week. My only question is calm the wind, man. We've been fighting wind that's unbelievable, unbelievable winds this year. Just uh, a strange, strange deal. Hey, by the way, I was listening to you, your last discussion I'm talking about presentation after the summer peak going into the summer period. And i got to add a comment to that. Timing is really, really important when you get into the long one of the longer calendar periods, naturally, is the summer season. And there is a bike. There's a peak daily bike. And I'm not talking about the solar period bikes. Basically, there is, for any kind of fish I've seen, bad, bad bass, smallmouth, walleyes, muskie, makes no difference, crappie, you've got two peak periods. It's the morning and evening period. But the morning period in summer is the best time you can be out on the water if you can control, if you have the luxury of controlling your time. That period, that bite in the morning throughout the summer goes from about just about sunrise, and you could buy as long as three hours of activity, generally two hours for sure. And the evening bike is a much, much shorter period. It's intense, but it's short. It's an hour on an outside end. So if you have the luxury of, of, of controlling your time, add that to your thinking pattern. It'll just put the odds in your favor immensely. Oh, yeah, that's great information, and I, I completely agree that the morning bite's definitely more consistent. The evening bite can be a little bit more, as you say, can be shortened up even more depending on your weather conditions. And typically around here, our wind isn't nearly as bad in the morning. We've got, you know, winds in the afternoon. The winds you guys are probably getting are what we deal with a lot out in the west. You know, a calm day is sometimes 15 to 20 miles an hour if you're fishing up in Wyoming. <laughs> So it it does help uh, help you become a little bit better on your boat control. 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I was dealing with one of those issues at the Lund Mania uh, tournament this weekend, and uh, uh, it was the toughest one we've ever seen there. The weights were way, way, way down. Mega wins. Uh, 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 it was just a, a tough rodeo all, all around. It was interesting. Uh, this is an owner's tournament for the listeners that are not familiar with that. It's, it's a Lund Boat Owner's Tournament. And uh, they have 50, 50 teams that fish it. they got like 30 teams on the waiting list. And it's become a fun thing thing here. It's involved in the big community promotion, a, a street dance at night in, in, in New York Mills. They block the streets off the top 10, come, come, come through with a boat parade through the community. They've made a big deal out of this thing. A lot of local presses there and local politicians are in the parade and everything. It's, it's just been a fun deal. But to give you a, a highlight, it was one with 19 pounds. And here was the astounding thing. The top 10, the 10th place was nine and a quarter pounds. Wow. If that's the limit of six fish. You made the top 10. It was that bad. That, I mean, that is a it, tough bite. Oh man, for that lake it was astounding. I never seen it this bit this time. Yeah, and, and you were talking about wind and we we were out fishing this past fall and had a windy day and went out and did some bass fishing. But while we were out on the water, you were mentioning um an idea that was kind of rolling around in your head about you get questions from all over people of all ages asking how do you get into the fishing industry. How do you create a career out of that? And I think over this winter, you've spent a little time kind of putting something together and you want to kind of announce this project that you've uh, been working on. Yeah, it it ended up, like I said, over the years, many of us, I, I can't count the times. How can I make a living in the fishing industry? Well, we, we're, we're going to help you make that decision. We formulated, uh, along with my son, Troy, your input, Brad, has helped us on this, along with many other knowledgeable people in our industry. We put together a one-day event called the Fishing Careers Workshop. It's based here in Minnesota. We've got a number of industry speakers that will talk about what motivated them and how they got motivated to making a living in the fishing industry. Uh, uh, what it takes in their individual categories, the skills you need if you're interested in, in a particular field. Just to give you a couple highlights. Uh, uh, we have, have Seth Fighter, uh, uh, who, who, who's uh, uh, full-time at a Bassmaster Elite, Elite Pro Series, young, 30 years old, made, made it the hard way. He's going to talk about what it is like to be a pro angler at the, at the top of the game on the Elite Series. Uh, Tim Coletta, a friend of mine, a conservation officer. Brett McComas is going to t- t- talk about social media. He had, heads up Target Walleye. If you love walleye fishing, you want to get Target Walleye. It's a freebie. Go online and find out about it. Tom Newstrom, professional guide and promotions manager, one of the most successful guides I've ever known in my life, talks about all of the ins and outs of making a living as a guide in the North Country 12 months out of the year. A local fisheries, Mark Bacalupi, uh, areas fisheries specialist. These are uh, government agencies. Uh, Matt Johnson, who works and manages ice team for the Clam Corporation, and uh, which is you know a leader in the ice fishing in- industry. Mark Fisher with Rapala, who is talking about lure design. How do you make a li- living in field promotions? Joel Nelson, outdoor writer, media personality. As a freelancer, how do you make a living in the fishing industry? A small independent retailer, his name is Brand Prokoff, 
30 years old, beat all kinds of odds in big box stores, opened up a retail sporting goods store in northern Minnesota, and everybody said it couldn't be done. Hugely successful. He talks about how he made this happen when everybody said it's a waste of time and money. You can't make it today. And an independent retailer selling top-end sporting goods. His story is absolutely incredible. Uh, Mike Hayner, his thoughts that. In, in, who does a lot of filming is a freelancer and uh, he does stuff. He shoots the Lund Mania, does some work for us on, on angling edge and fishing edge. My nephew, Bill, Bill Linder, is going to talk about photography. How do you make a living in, in the outdoor industry today and the skills you need in the, uh, uh, with motion and, and uh, social media and, and still photography? And John Janicek, a longtime friend of ours, who is a manufacturer sales rep. They're going to talk about their individual. Uh, 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 expertise in their individual fields. These are fields. These are just an example of some of the opportunities that exist in the sport fishing community today. And I'm going to co-host it with Troy. I'm going to touch a little bit about uh, media. At one point in my life, I've been involved pretty much in every one of the areas I just talked about. I was going to say, you could teach every one of these segments just about. <laughs> and so I'm a good MC on this. Yeah, and it, excited about this brand yeah and one of the things that so many people look at and young kids when they start thinking about the fishing industry they only look at being a tv host or, or fishing a bass tour or professional fishing tour there are so many other avenues to make fishing part of your vocation and, and this is going to be a situation where you're going to be able to talk to people in a lot of different varieties and maybe you've got more of a scientific mind and working for one of the government agencies might be good maybe you're really good at sales but there's mm -hmm. a lot of different avenues and i think this is going to be a phenomenal opportunity for people it's coming up october 28th up there in minnesota and how would people get more information well if you want to know anything about it at this point you, you just punch up my camp fish dot com slash careers workshop or call eight hundred three seven eight five oh nine five if you have some questions. And any I want to encourage you if you've ever given any thought to making a living in our industry, the sport fishing industry, there's a lot of opportunities. This is someplace you'd want to come to or if you know if you are a father or, or a grandma or grandpa, and you see a young person, a granddaughter, grandchild, that you see a fire in the belly for the outdoors, particularly in and around fishing, and you want, want to see them make a wise decision, uh, this could start to plant the seed that is a career, a, a career direction for them for the rest of their life. And they're going to hear from real people making a real living the good, the bad, and the ugly of what it's all about. And, and there are no smoke, no mirrors. These are people talking about the skills you need to make it in this industry, and there truly is a wealth of opportunity out there. Well, I agree with you, Al, and I think the other thing is we are sitting here at a real transition time in this industry. We've gone from a lot of the traditional ways with the print media, and now all of a sudden you have all this new social media and the internet and so we're kind of at that uh, a point where things are changing and if you can get on the front end of this you really could set yourself up in a real good situation this is going to be a great opportunity to learn about that 
Yeah, the, the, the seed will be planted there. You're going to see and hear things again. If you have any interest or you know somebody that does, you want to take a look at this. It will be enlightening, I guarantee you. And by the way, this has never, ever been done in the sport fishing community. This is a first of its type. Well, I, its- I can tell you I'm planning to be out there, and uh, I will see you towards the end of the month headed back to Minnesota to help with a few uh, camp fish events coming up. Uh, yeah. Yes. And want to thank you again, Al, for calling in and sharing the information. This is kind of, we're right on the leading edge because the official press release hasn't even come out for another week or so. So this is some brand new information. If you are interested, space is limited. So get online and sign up. Again, that's mycampfish.com slash careers workshop. All right. Thanks again, Al. Hey, Brad. Thank you very much. See you at the end of the month. Sounds good. That was Al Linder, a fishing legend who's, you know, talking about ways and wanting to help the future generations create a career in the outdoors. I think this is a phenomenal opportunity, and if this goes well, who knows where else this might happen. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, one of the people that you hear Terry talking about, and that's honey smoked salmon. I've got to be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of salmon. I just, it's never been one of the fish that I really like. And I've been hearing Terry talk about honey smoked salmon for several months on his radio show. So finally, I was out at the grocery store and I said, you know what? I'm going to pick up some of this and give it a try. This is actually some salmon I like. And I just don't like it. I really enjoyed it. And the nice thing about it is when you buy a package of it, It's fairly large, but you can use it in so many different ways. I used the one recipe that Terry talks about, mixing it with a little bit of cream cheese and putting it on top of crackers. Absolutely phenomenal. Flaking off chunks, putting it on a salad. It's a great product. So if you're out looking for something as a great protein source, good tasting, even if you're not a huge salmon or fish fan, I think you'll like this product. Go take a look and find Honey Smoked Salmon in your local grocery store. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Honey Smoked Fish Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. I'm Brad Peterson filling in for Terry this weekend. Terry is out on assignment in Florida and will be back next week. He will be doing a remote location at the Sportsman's Warehouse in Thornton, Colorado from 9 to 11. So if you're in the area, make sure to stop by and say hello. Now we're going to be joined on the phones by Ronnie Castiglione with Fishful Thinker. And Ronnie wants to talk a little bit about all the heat we're having, and how to deal with it and still enjoy the outdoors. Good morning, Ronnie. Hey, Brad. How you doing this morning? Oh, doing pretty good. Having fun in there in studio, filling in for Terry? Oh, yeah. It's a good time. Absolutely. I always have a blast when I'm down there. And, yeah, like you just mentioned, I want to kind of talk about, you know, it is definitely getting hot this time of year. Uh, we're seeing a lot of you know, those 90-degree-plus days. And, you know, there's an opportunity to get out and do some fishing and actually, you know, kind of cool yourself off when you're out there fishing a little bit and kind of enjoy this hot weather. So there's definitely some things that we want to cover, Brad. 
Yeah, I mean, I know it's a problem I see not only just with sunburn but with fatigue, uh, dehydration. So what are some of the tips and recommendations you have for people if they're headed out on the water on one of these warm days? You know, being a guide for the last eight years on the lake, I can tell you that there's definitely one common mistake that I see a lot of people when they show up to the lake and fish for the day, and that's just simply that they're not dressed properly, Brad. Uh, you know, it's a problem we run into in the winter as well, and especially early in the spring. People didn't show up underdressed when they're coming up there and the temperatures are cold, you know, especially up at Horsetooth where it's just slightly a little bit, you know, colder or warmer certain days. But, uh, you know, this time of year, I see people show up and they're, they're definitely overdressed. Uh, layers are a big deal, I think, any time of year. And when you're getting into the real hot summer, you know, you're going to get out there early in the morning a lot of times. And at 6 o'clock, it may be only, you know, in the 60s or upper 50s you get out there. But by 10 o'clock or so, it's going to warm into the low 90s. And if you showed up in a pair of jeans and a sweatshirt or something along those lines, you're going to be way overdressed for that hot weather, Brad. So, you know, one of the things that I like to do and something that I encourage people to do is, you know, to buy some of the fishing clothes or some of the outdoor clothes out there that are those kind of microfiber moisture whisking type of uh, fabrics. Those fabrics are outstanding this time of year. A lot of them provide really good UV coverage so you can wear them and they'll cover you up and you won't get sunburned underneath. But the big key with a lot of those fabrics, Brad, is that if you can get them wet, be it maybe you hop into the lake or maybe you're up on the rivers and you're wading or something along those lines, or even if you were to take a shirt off and dunk it in the lake and then put it back on, those kind of fabrics dry very, very fast. And when they're drying, they're just like you're wearing your own personal air conditioner, Brad. They will cool you down tremendously to the point where you're not hot at all because you're wearing a shirt that's drying and the guy next to you, if he's bone dry over there and not wearing something like that and didn't get wet, he may be sweating to death right there, Brad. So, you know, uh, you know, I really encourage people to go out and, and look at those kind of apparel. Um, now, I will mention that when you're looking at some of those quick-dry microfiber-type apparel shirts, that some of them don't breathe very well. So don't go out and buy a whole bunch of them right off the bat. Go out and buy yourself one brand, maybe look at a couple different brands, and, and give them a shot. You want to find a, a microfiber that, that's going to breathe really well so you're not all kind of hot and muggy underneath it, but when it does get wet, it'll dry real quick, and it'll cool you off in a hurry, Brad. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And one of the other things I use is I like using one of those face hoodies and, um, Absolutely. you know, I use the one from Hook. There's a lot of companies that make sure. fantastic ones out there. But the same way, you can take that, go dunk it in the water, and put it right over top. And what that's going to do is it's going to get take your head and neck and get that moist. And as you say, as it's drying, it's going to help cool you down and keep you from overheating. We'll have days, you know, coming up that we're pushing into that triple digits. And that, that can be real hard physically straining on the body but if the bite's good man you sure don't want to miss it absolutely cool yourself off drink a lot of water you know and one of the other things i'll mention brad is that you know growing up here in the state for a good period of time uh, i fished the rivers all the time as a kid and i certainly fish the rivers a whole heck of a lot now uh, you know it blows my mind brad that i could go up there on a 90 degree plus day and guys are walking around in the rivers, and they're wearing full chest waders, and they're all, you know, apparelled up in their vests, and they got everything on, and they look like, you know, they're ready to battle winter conditions, but they're out there waiting around. You know, myself, I've only worn a 
pair of waders, you know, maybe 15 times in my entire life. And usually that was in the middle of winter. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I like to go up and fish the rivers this time here when it's blazing hot is to escape the heat. And so, you know, I'm a big fan of going up there and I certainly am going to wade the rivers a whole heck of a lot when the flows come down. But, you know, I'm not going to be wearing waders, Brad. I'm going to be wearing a pair of shorts that are the microfiber that will dry very rapidly. I'm going to be wearing a shirt that will dry very rapidly. And the other big key when you go up there and you fish the rivers this time of year is I'm going to be wearing a pair of water shoes that drain rapidly so that I can get out there and I can walk around. But when I get out and I, you know, I'm going to do a little bit of the rock hopping, the water drains out of those shoes really, really quick. So you're not slopping around on wet shoes. The right pair of shoes when you're up weight wet wade in the river are is going to be night and day between a, the wrong pair of shoes brad so you know that's another thing to consider it's definitely that time of year where if you're looking for ronnie on the weekends i'm probably going to be up on the pooter or the big thompson and i'm going to be out there standing waist deep and cooling off when it's you know 90 plus 98 degrees out and that kind of thing brad yeah I, I like doing that as well if you do want to wear waders they have come up with some new breathable waders which are a whole sure. lot better uh, they, they let you breathe. I still, when I'm doing that, I wear a lot less clothing underneath, you know, like you say, shorts so that you're not, if, if you wear jeans or stuff underneath there, it, they will get moist. And so you want to make sure that you're wearing those microfibers, even underneath your breathable waders so that you don't end up sweating too much in there and, and getting into a, a bad situation. I know you, you talked about hydration and not only is water important, but, you know, a lot of people, when you're sweating, you aren't just losing water. And one of the products I really like is I use the Wilderness Athlete Hydration and Recovery Drink, and they've got little individual packets that you can just put right in a bottle of water, shake up. They're great for the boat. But something like that that gives you a little bit of the, the added salts and other nutrients to help balance you out and keep you properly hydrated is going to help you last a lot longer and handle the heat better. Yeah, absolutely, Brad. You know, I agree with that 100%. And, you know, one of the ones that I go to all the time uh, is just natural coconut water. Um, 100% pure coconut water is nature's uh, rehydration device. It's very high in potassium, and it's got the salt you need in it, and you rehydrate very, very quickly to the point where in some countries, especially Asian countries, they use that coconut water as, uh, you know, a rehydration for surgery and things like that. Rather than putting IVs into people, they just feed in the coconut water. And so, yeah, I'm definitely a fan of the proper hydration and then sunscreen we haven't mentioned that brad sunscreen is a big deal this time of year you want to put it on early in the morning you know before you get hot and sweaty and before you're starting to feel the burn on your skin if you wait until your skin starts to get a little bit red and then you go ahead and spray or rub some suntan lotion on you uh you're a little bit too late in that scenario so it's important this time of year to wear that sunscreen i can't tell you how many anglers i've talked to or i get on the boat that have had skin cancer or something cut off their face from being out in the fun you know all day long fishing so it's important to take care of yourself brad yep that's great information ronnie well we're running right up against the end here so we're going to have to let you go and uh hopefully that information will help people out there uh enjoy this the fishing in the outdoors during the heat thanks a lot ronnie all right brad you have yourself a good one thanks well we're here at the end of the show i want to thank terry for letting me come in here and guest host for the show if you have any interest, questions, or want to contact me, you can contact me at Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook or look me up on Instagram at Brad P. Outdoors. 
We want to help that you all have a great weekend outdoors. Enjoy yourself. Have fun. You've been listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.